0: The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Eight minutes after eight on a Tuesday morning and time now for The Forum at 8. Uh, Have you heard about a credit score? Well, this is what financial institutions and other lenders use to determine your credit worthiness for a loan or credit card, for example. Your credit score is what decides whether or not you are approved, as well as what Interest rate the financial institutions will charge you. And it's designed to predict risk or the likelihood of the consumer uh, whether they will or will not neglect their credit obligations after scoring. And people are often declined credit. And we want to understand better how this credit score works and what tools lenders actually use to decide on lending rates. So on the forum this morning, we're talking about your credit score and getting to understand. That And joining us for the discussion, uh Salem Jafta, who's a spokesperson for Credit Bureau Union. Thanks for coming through.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Our pleasure. And I'm very excited because uh, she's always there. You know, she listens to the show. And if there's something she can help with, she's always there at the drop of a hat. Wendy Nola, thank you so much for coming on. Of course, consumer writer uh, with Times uh, Media co- uh, and also a consumer columnist. Thanks for speaking to us this morning, Wendy morning, Sakina. Lovely to be on the show. Now, uh, let me start with Salem. When we talk about a credit score, let's start by just explaining what a credit score is.
1: So a credit score is basically, is basically a summary of your credit report. Okay, So it, it, it's, it's all about how bad or, or how good you manage your, your existing credit, but it's expressed in numbers. So it's your entire credit report expressed in a three-digit number. That is what a credit score is. It's your credit report.
0: So when you go out to uh, look for a loan, maybe to buy a house, a car, or maybe get a loan, then the lenders would obviously then contact the credit bureau. To find out what your score is. So what factors do you take into account to determine
1: what my credit score may be? The important factors, Sakina, that go into a credit score, very importantly, is what we call the payment profile or the account history. This is how you pay your credit, to your accounts on a monthly basis. So what that basically means is, so you would have, let's say, a store card, a cell phone contract, a house, a car, etc. Every month, you have an obligation as a consumer to pay that account on a particular date. So you're paying a particular amount on a certain date. Now, that goes into a score. That builds up a score because that reports, are you making that payment every month? on time, and are you paying the full amount? Because the moment you start skipping payments or you start paying late, you might pay but you're paying late, or it, it, it's like you're paying less than what you're supposed to pay, that does affect your score. That's the first thing. The second thing that would um, go into a score is your inquiry history or where you go to apply. For credit. So it's very important once again the frequency of how you go or of when you go and apply for credit, those are the factors that go into a score as well. It also looks at whether you have negative listings on your credit report, defaults, judgments, um, notices of insolvency, all of those factors do go into and build up a credit score. Just talking about the frequency. So
0: if I am looking for something and I have to go and apply every now and again because I haven't been satisfied yet,
1: I haven't found what I'm looking for,
0: how does that impact on my credit score?
1: We've had a a discussion with with many consumers whereby they're saying, but wait, hang on. If I'm looking for a house, obviously there's some shopping around that Mm. needs to happen. And there's going to be a number of inquiries. So while we understand that, that when you're looking for a bond, for example, there will be multiple credit checks that are actually reflecting in your credit report. However, Sakina, if you're looking for a personal loan and you're going to different lenders, that might be an indication that there's a significant change in your financial circumstances. So that aspect would then affect your score negatively, whereas on the other end, when we know that you are looking for better rates for a house, for example, that is different, and that does not weigh your score down. So what's a good credit score? A good credit score, you must remember this is different for each lender. Mm -hmm. All the lenders have different scoring criteria because they all have different risk appetite. So, but there is one rule, the higher the score, the better your chances. But there is no benchmark to say 600, 700, 900. It all depends on the credit granting criteria because lender A will have a different risk appetite to lender B. So we always say to consumers, it's better that there are some fundamentals that you need to have and put in place to make sure that your score is improving so that you stand a better chance of getting credit. So there is a definite scale to which everybody works. I wouldn't call it a scale, but rather what I would say, remember, your credit score is your credit report. It's your entire credit mm-hmm. report expressed in numbers. So there are things that you need to put in place. For example, making sure that you making payments on your accounts every month on time, the full amount, that improves your score. That gives you a good score, not having negative information like defaults and judgments and insolvency. Those are all the the steps or characteristics that build up to a good score. But are there numbers that lenders
0: would look uh, out for specifically like uh, and what I'm getting at again is mm. is there a good score like 300 is a bad score, 800 is a good score, uh,
1: you know, what is the scale there? For example, Sakina, a 600 might be good for lender A but not so good for lender B. Because 600 means And 600 is an example. 600 would mean something else for lender A and something else for lender B. So there is no score or band that we can say, if you are here, Mm. you can go and apply for credit. But if you are here, you need to do something because you find that you are approved by lender A and declined by lender B. It is all based on their scoring and credit-granting um, criteria.
0: Let me hear from Wendy. Wendy, as a consumer columnist and um, a writer, what are some of the issues that you've had to deal with that people have come to you with around credit scores?
2: <laughs> Three main issues. Um, it's true, obviously, we realize that if we're making a short payment or if we're paying late, obviously that's going to affect your score. But what um, a lot of um, consumers don't realize is that even you know I think they're doing the right thing, but even if you consistently on all your accounts are only paying the minimum amount every month, that would indicate it would affect your score and would indicate that you're skating on thin ice as far as keeping your head above water is concerned. It might not be the case that that's how it's interpreted um and then of course, what you have already discussed um I've had several people doing uh wanting to buy a car, and there were several inquiries from various um uh, vehicle finance houses and that negatively affected their score. Um, but obviously, um, if you look, if it's a personal loan you're after, that's going to be viewed in a more serious light. So it's ironic that the more you're trying to get credit, the less likely it is going to be that you're going to get the credit because it's going to be seen that you're you're too credit hungry, as the industry calls it. So there's that. And um, uh, there was one other thing that's just gone right out of my head. So, oh yes, those people who have never had credit you know, because they've chosen to only buy things when they can afford it, when they've saved up enough cash, and they, they, they're quite proud of themselves. And then they're in their 20s or 30s even, and they decide they now need a, a cell phone contract or to buy a car or whatever, and they just can't get the credit. And they're like, why are these people with 10 accounts, you know, they're considered credit, credit worthy, but I'm not. And it's just, it doesn't seem right, and I get a steady stream of those. It's because there's for the um, lenders to, to refer to to see if you're going to, you know, they can't see what your because they say you're an unknown entity and they don't like that. So I always say, so you know, phone, have you got a phone bill? Have you got something to show that every month you're paying on time and that, that you're good for it? So those three issues um, come up over and over again in my inbox
0: wendy there was also earlier this year um uh, uh, where there was um uh, some legislation around a judgement against your name having to be removed by credit bureaus uh, once the debt has been paid up um have you had any dealings around that where people are yes. perhaps still struggling yes a
2: lot um it was it's called the national Uh, Credit Amendment Act. We had the National uh, Credit Act since 2007, I think it was, um, and this was just an amendment to it which came into effect on the 13th Friday, the 13th of March. It was good news for consumers um, in the sense that up until then, um, a lot of consumers felt very hard done by by the fact that even if they paid the bet, whether it's related to um, a judgment or it's an adverse uh, listing because they didn't pay or they defaulted or whatever, even if they paid up, that listing still stayed there for the three years or the five years in the case of a, a judgment as a warning to credit Lenders to lenders uh, that you know you you had this bad tra- uh, track record and consumers didn't quite get that and felt well I've paid now why should I still have this so-called blacklisting? But from March now, once you've paid, even even a judgment debt, that um, adverse as the industry called, it, must be removed uh, within a short space of time, um, which is a huge boon to consumers and is also a huge incentive, of course, for them to now pay their dues. Um, there are some, and Francesca I'm sure will agree with me, there, there have been some hiccups. Um, around um, the debt collectors and credit providers sometimes there being a delay in them notifying the credit bureau and it's not happening as fast, the removal. You know, it's like you, you finally pay that 2,000 rand and you think, right now I can get myself in contact or whatever and that, that listing is still sitting on your record and it's taking longer than you'd want it to. So um, there are some little niggles, but essentially it is a, a huge boon for consumers around um, address listings.
0: And um Salem you are from a credit bureau so you know just a comment on that particular matter
1: with the national credit the credit um the amendment acts uh, excuse me so at first we had uh, defaults two different types of defaults um some would stay for two years and some would stay for one year so with the amendments now uh, consumers after they've paid right the default information can then be removed. They didn't have to wait for the two-year period. And also now, all the defaults that are reflecting in the credit bureau now only stay for one year. After the one year, the default falls off. With judgments, what needed to happen before the amendments was that if a consumer has paid the judgment debt, they would need to go to the court to have the judgment rescinded, Mm -hmm. which again was a lengthy process. Mm -hmm. However, now with the the amendments, once the consumer has paid the debt and they have a settlement agreement, they don't need to go the court process. They can just send the settlement letter through to the credit bureaus and the judgment will be removed. So that's what the the amendment brought in. Um, Lessened the time for the defaults to display on the credit bureaus and also once the debt has been paid, there's no waiting, okay, you can have it removed after it has been paid.
0: Well, we're getting to know our credit scores this morning, understanding exactly what it means and how it impacts on us when we try to go and get credit from somewhere. And you can, of course, call us on 891, 0891 104 We're talking about understanding your credit scores and how this impacts on you. And some really interesting questions coming through this morning. We're speaking to Wendy Nola and uh, Salem Jafta and uh, taking your questions right now. I want to start with this one on Twitter uh from Angie. Angie says, why do credit bureaus register inquiries on motor and
1: life insurance? Um, uh, do they have adverse listings? Not necessarily adverse listings, Sakina. But remember, as a consumer, you have obligations that you're paying. I'm talking more on the motor, motor mm. insurance side now. So if, if you go and get that car insurance... Because remember, sometimes what we tend to do as consumers, we go and get that car insurance only because we want that car. It's almost like the ticket for you to get the car. And then after that, you cancel the insurance. So that would reflect on the credit bureau that because remember it's also a monthly mm. obligation that you're paying or you need to be paying on a monthly basis so it does show on the credit bureau that this consumer is paying the insurance on time this consumer has now cancelled the insurance so it it impacts
0: negatively on your credit score then If you don't make the payment. If you stop paying? Yes. I didn't know that. I wonder how many people know that because I know people do cancel their insurance right after they've taken ownership of the car. Let's speak to Riaz in Pulukwane. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Thanks for a timely uh, issue. My problem with um, this analysis, Wendy raised three points and, you know, we're getting into the technical details of this. But you know what is missing is the human rights of people who take on credit. And what I mean by that is is that when you, you see the national credit regulator advertising balloon payments, you know? Be mm-hmm. careful of balloon payments. Now you take on a contract that is patently unfair. Okay? Yeah. And you cannot make payment and your score goes negative. You see the issue is is that it is not about achieving a balance. You're not comparing like for like. You're reducing, these credit scores reduce these issues to an issue of how much risk the credit provider is willing to take. Okay? Mm -hmm. And all contracts are equalized. We do not have a fair contractual terms legislation. This was dumped by the South African Law Commission. Okay? Why? Because it doesn't favor creditors. Whereas we have, according to the World Bank, the largest number of indebted consumers in the world, you know? I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. We talk about the fine details, but we have balloon payments, we have gym payments, um, you know, ripping people off. And also, you know, there's this concept called financialization. Lord Adair Turner spoke about it at the Reserve Bank. And I I really urge everyone to go to the Reserve Bank site and look at that. Because what he is saying is that banks and financial institutions create credit, right? Increasing demand for particular things like consumer goods and housing, raising the prices. And, I mean, what we have here is that financialization means that prices no longer move according to fundamentals. So, I mean, I think you need to have a show besides the detail on these structural issues. And I'll uh, maybe tweet you and we can uh, mm-hmm. set up a drink. But look at the Lord of data and I think. And please, people are being ripped off by credit providers. This credit score is very, very unfair to debtors.
0: Interesting point there, Riaz, and uh, yeah, can't wait to hear the responses to it. But let's take Theo in Randburg. Good morning, Theo.
4: Yeah, good morning, uh, Sakina and your guests. Uh, um, uh, yeah, Sakina, I just wanted to come from a, <coughs> a little bit of a different angle. How How is your credit worthiness or the credit score, as you 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 you, you put it, how is it affected when you don't... Maybe for uh, lack of better word, you don't do much of business, not too much business with the lenders like your banks and so on. What I mean is that if if you try and keep your credit limits at the very very minimum, you 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 don't have an overdraft. You you know you you mm. you, you you're sort of a, a very careful person, and and so you don't have debts because there are people who don't who don't have these yeah. accounts and so on. And you try and keep, say for example, you you, you have a credit limit of one thousand rand, but you make sure that you have funds in your credit card, and, and which which means if you have five thousand rand in your credit card, the four thousand is your own money. So in other words, you're very very careful. How does that affect your credit worthiness? Where whereby at some point you would need to buy a house, and obviously you would want to go to the lender and say, "Give me six hundred thousand rand, I want to buy." Yet you you. The bank does not know really how, how because you're not doing too much business with it. That's okay. my question. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you
0: so much, Theo. Tiboko uh, is in Centurion. Good morning.
5: Yes, morning. Uh, just a question for me. I'm um, re- a student representative. When you, you, you have a dispute, say with a, a service provider, maybe a bank or whatever, you dispute their listing. Um, the general room says experience they will
0: suspend okay just just move around slightly because the quality on the line is not great okay can you hear me now much better
5: yes i was saying when you have a dispute with a listing from one of the financial institutions what does experience do uh, they're to investigate um, but you can clearly see, I mean, even if you submitted that dispute, that they don't investigate, they just come back to you on the side most often uh, of the financial institution. That's one question. But the, the, the second question for me would be to say, what do they do when clearly the institution has listed you erroneously? Because I work for a financial institution. And they are one of the worst, worst institutions in record-keeping uh, information. When they submit your say your, 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 information to debt collectors, debt collectors sell that information from one debt collector to the debt collector. Even if you pay, it, you, it, it becomes very difficult to, to remove your name and improve your financial records with the experience particularly, if you can just answer those questions for me.
0: Talking credit and credit scores and understanding what goes into your credit profile and all of these things this morning. Uh Wendy Nola and Salem Jafta from TransUnion speaking to us this morning. So you're taking your questions on 0891-104208. SMS us on three four seven zero one Tweet or Facebook AM Live on SAFM. But let's start with the calls we took before the break. Um uh, uh, Wendy, maybe I should get you to weigh in on what Riyaz was talking about firstly. Um, you know, um the the fairness of uh, some of the contracts that people yes. find themselves locked into. And uh, he talks about the laws favoring the creditors. And the first thing that came to mind when Riaz was talking for me was timeshare contracts. Oh,
2: my word, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole show all on its own. Um, historically, terribly unfair. Those lifelong contracts that the National uh, Consumer Commission is now looking at. Um, they've done a huge investigation because clearly um, they, most of them would have predated the um, uh, Consumer Protection Act but it doesn't change the fact that they are patently unfair. Um, so that's, we should when that thing starts coming to a head I would suggest a show just on, on, on time-sharing contracts mm. alone. But the one which Riaz mentioned which struck a chord with me was balloon payments and mm. he, called, he said that's a patently unfair and I would agree that was a, 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 a kind of bit of finance that the industry came up with to put people into cars that they cannot afford. So, you know, if you can't afford the installment over five years, if you need to have that huge chunk carved off that you now have to find some way of paying for five years down the line, then clearly um, you shouldn't really be in that car. So I would agree there. They are offered, but but, um, some of the bigger players actively discourage uh, balloon payments because of that fact. And because five years down the line, your financial position could have changed radically, and now you're in a terrible situation Mm. So I would agree, I've always had an issue with, with um, uh, those um, vehicle finance contracts that include a, a balloon payment. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a, it then becomes this huge big-picture issue where um, you, you're, you're looking at um, adverses, you're looking at people defaulting and getting bad credit records, um, versus why. Um, and that's, that's a really, really big discussion. That's yeah, probably not gonna be able to help,
0: be dealt with properly in this forum. Yeah, I I agree. I think we need to get other players who are more directly involved with that onto the show to discuss that particular matter. But a, a good point all the same, good points raised by Riyadh. Can I just read one tweet which we've all just got and that, that speaks to what we're talking about.
2: Mm-hmm. Um tape says and why is multi choice also a doing I was gonna read score? that one.
0: I have that one. Let's <laughs> oh, talk sorry, about multi choice. You
2: know, it's not paid it's because of repeats and not affordable. So Pete not yeah so so people are making justifications, and some of them quite valid, I would imagine, in their situation. Um, but the fact is, there's a non-payment. Um, the point that Tebeco made about, you know, you had the speech with the service provider. Well, if it is an unfair listing, then you can challenge it. You can challenge it with the credit bureau in, 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 in question. And in, within 20 days, I'm sure, I'm sure going to say this, but within 20 days, if you don't get a response or it's not satisfactory, you can go to the credit ombud, and then that will be interrogated. So there are mechanisms to deal with that. And a great, trans unions put out press releases in the past saying that um, quite a significant percentage of listings from the credit bureau are in fact not justified, which is why people should be checking their credit records and and then um, complaining about the ones that they don't feel are justified, such as prescribed debt, for example.
0: Mm. And and that's an issue that Tebuho also touched on, um, you know, uh, listing disputes. And how do you deal with those, though? How do you deal with them? Uh, yes, from the credit bureau side, Wendy. I just want to hear what Salem, what they do or when That's someone. Salem,
2: sorry. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: when someone is uh, you know disputing a listing on their profile. Yes. So just to take you step by step on how the dispute process works. So the consumer would get their credit report and see that there's a listing they don't agree with. They would then notify the credit bureau. It can be one credit bureau. They notify, for example, they come to TransUnion and they say, I'm disputing a default or a judgment, and they give us reasons. So what we then do is we then lodge a dispute. When we, when we lodge that dispute on the system, the first thing that the credit bureau does is to remove that negative information. This is now on the first day. Remove the negative information. On your report, there would be a notification that states that this report is under dispute. It doesn't say what has been disputed or how many adverse listings have been disputed. It just says this report is under dispute. We then investigate with the credit provider or the lender in question. This is a process of no more than 20 business days. We then get feedback from the credit provider. If the credit provider feels that this information should remain in the credit bureau listed, we then need credible evidence why the information should remain. If they cannot provide credible evidence, we then, remember we've removed the information Mm. already, we then remove that notification from the report that says that this report is under dispute. If Sakina, after 20 business days... We don't have a resolution for that dispute. All we do is we remove that notification because we don't prejudice the consumer. So the consumer would not have to wait longer than 20 business days for some sort of resolution to come. So we deem the consumer's dispute as valid Mm. after 20 business days if we have not received feedback or proper feedback from the lender or the credit provider. And over and above that, we then notify other credit bureaus as well that there's adverse information that has been removed from this consumer's credit report from this credit bureau. We then advise the other credit bureaus for them to do the same. Over and above that, we go and notify the credit providers who have done a credit check inquiries to say there has been a change in this credit report, you might want to consider looking at this credit report again.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh,
1: The DSTV tweet that Wendy was referring to, um, does that reflect on your credit profile? It does. It's a monthly obligation at the end of the day. And if you default... It would then reflect that you have defaulted on a payment. Seriously? Yes. Defaulting on a payment. Defaulting usually means you owe. For DSTV. You owe. You?
0: Yes, Yes, Wendy. (laughs) Of course. I mean, that's that's
2: an indication of uh, that's what the credit bureau is there for. It's to reflect how well you're servicing your financial obligations. So if you're if you're skipping or underpaying your your DSTV premium, then clearly that's that's um, relevant. Um, and I, that tweet interested me because there was a justification: "Well, I'm, I can't afford it, and um, the shows are repeats." Well, then you know you cancel your subscription, and you can, but you you can't just then withhold payment in contravention of your agreement with the company and feel justified. I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. But, but, but hold on. Is,
0: is DSTV yeah. not paid in advance? How does it work now? You know, see, now I'm I'm, I'm getting, you know, scratched up. Yeah. You
2: can. You, you can you, uh, pay in advance, but a lot, lot of people pay uh, via debit order. I would imagine the bulk of their subscribers would pay via debit order. That's, that's their preferred payment method. So
0: isn't it like pay-as-you-go? If I have no, the then, money, I watch. Um, if I don't have the money, I don't watch.
2: No, no, not at all. You 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 signed a contract that that um, um, compels you to pay a certain amount every month, and um, you can. I think they have a situation where if you go away or something, you can put a pause on it or something like that. I'm not sure, but but yeah. So it would be it would be um, non-return, non-paid debit orders. Or whatever. I would imagine there are those. And in fact, I do know there are those that still pay themselves. Mm-hmm. They will go into an office and pay every every month. Um, so then I suppose they would just withhold that payment for whatever reason and then it would, it would show up as
0: a default, yeah. Well, we live and learn. But Let's go back to the lines. Anonymous is in Durban. Good morning. Hi, good day. Can you hear me, Zagina? Clearly. Yes,
6: thank you. Um, I must uh, agree with the, one of the first callers, Riaz, where he said we need a different talk altogether because my perception is that I think it's South African consumers we don't quite understand what contributes towards one's credit profile. Mm. Um, another question I want to ask the lady from the TransUnion. Yes. What, what would happen, I had a case, or I had a case rather, four years ago, I discovered there was fraud on my ID with home affairs, and we've been going back and forth. Um, now, subsequently, because they found out that there are two people with the exact same um, ID number myself, and obviously this other person, I've then had to change some digits on my ID number, which I'm not happy with because I've always managed my credit profile very well. Um, So now I want to understand what happens because then I'll have to go to all my um, credit providers, obviously the education institutions, to change my ID and whatnot based on what I've got now, because they they gave me something to prove that this was changed, which I carry with me almost all the time. So now my concern in all of this what happens to my credit profile because of this change? Because I now, if I'm taking this ID which I've taken, but I haven't done anything about it as yet, I now agree to say that my ID number has changed. What would happen then in terms of my profile? Because I'm assuming that the credit credit lenders would then obviously not see any records on my new ID number, as it were. Mm. Okay, got you. That's talk a good question. Okay. Second question, um, maybe not a question, um, to Wendy Nola, I am uh, doing a research in the financial services industry. Um, if maybe she could leave, kindly leave her details with, with you. Like, you know, I, I tried to contact her. I sent an email, but perhaps it was the wrong email address. I'm interested in her views because I've read a few of her
0: articles, particularly in the auto industry of South Africa. Okay will facilitate that, most definitely. Thanks, Anonymous. Uh, let's speak to David in Johannesburg. Good morning.
7: Good morning, and uh, good morning to you, yes. Yes, I'd like to just say that, you know, um, this credit thing is a bit of a problem. I, I try to get a loan for a house, you know, and um, they wouldn't give it to me, and I said, okay, I will put on 50, 50% deposit, and just because I haven't got a credit rating, I never had credit, I don't have any cards, I don't do anything they wouldn't give me the loan you know and uh, with a 50 percent deposit down you know just to show them that i have i've got i've got i've got some money and i couldn't get a loan any in any, any bank uh, i then decided that um credit is a waste of time you know borrowing money and i'll do everything cash so i'm one of those guys who don't really care about a credit rating i don't care if i don't pay for this or that because i'm not interested in getting a loan anymore Everything I do is cash. If I buy a house, it's all cash. I've been fortunate in that aspect. If I do anything, it's all cash. No credit cards. No nothing on credit. Everything is just on a cash basis, and I don't really care about a credit rating. And it's much better because you don't need to worry about anything. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you so much, uh, David, in Johannesburg. <laughs> fortunate indeed. Um, let's go back to Durban, Glennis. Good morning. Hello, Glennis.
8: Hello. Morning. Hi. Sakina, can you hear me? Clearly. Yeah, Sakina, you're speaking to Jonathan in Durban. Um, Sakina, I have a comment with regards to your credit bureau uh, listings that you do off the off the net, because I was once at a stage that I needed to clean out my credit score, And what I found that is that when you go to Experian or XPS, uh, one of the three major credit bureaus, or, or TransUnion, they would only give you what you are listed with on their website. So which means if you hadn't paid, let's say, Edgars as an example, it lists you with Experian or with TransUnion, but they don't list you with the third bureau, which is XPS. That could be a major fault when someone's trying to clean out the credit record in the hope of making an application for quality of bond or finance for a vehicle. But what I did find was that if you go to a website like Credit Health, they give you all three bureaus, including which you were asking at the beginning, very nicely de- 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 deciphered in the form of a graph and a table as to what your score is. And they give you a score out of 1,000. So you can order a report either monthly or you can e- order it quarterly or twice a year at a fee where it's emailed to you without you even having to call them. And that gives you an identification and a window to... What does your credit record look like and how is it improving month and month? Further to that, it also helps you to identify when there's identity theft that's taking place under your ID number and your name. So that is something that's very helpful for any consumer who wants to clean out his or her credit record and work towards getting a better score, which ultimately leads to a better interest rate.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Jonathan, for that. Um, certainly something I need to look into after the show. Um, let's see if Glynis is there. Uh, Glennis, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking
6: I disagree with what the other uh, experience says that they do. I applied for a senior management position last year, and luckily I knew the girl who was submitting my application, and she came back to me and said, "You you aware that you have a... a, a Mark on your credit And I said That's impossible I've never You know Anyway um, I got hold of it And it happened to be A financial institute That might taken my daughter To see And they couldn't Assist with the subject We put in uh, A cancellation And um, Every month I was getting a call And every month I was phoning in Saying look She's not a student Um, I eventually Went to And I sent in All the details And I said This was nonsense Anyway It was left Um, And that actually Cost me that position then I decided to buy a new car this year, and all the banks declined me. So I went to this is now with ITC, and I said, what's going on? The same institution, I back to them, and I said, hold on a second. I don't have any money. I've paid the 350 grand cancellation fee. Uh, and in senior management, um, eventually one bank came back and said, we'll let you have the car at 17.5% interest. Now, my my question is, is two. One, I don't believe that the credit bureaus inform each other that there is an objection or that this is not true and correct, number one. Number two, what is your recourse? Because I'm paying 48,000 and more on my car due to a company's mistake and it, it, you know, to have bad credit at 57 is just not acceptable. So it's no fault of mine. Yet it has ruined my credit, what is the real legal repercussions? Because okay. I contacted the ombudsman, it takes months, and it doesn't it doesn't just go off your record. You know, I don't believe that this will just disappear and never be seen again. I cannot apply for credit. I've been told for at least another year. Now I was in the process of buying a house and I pulled back on it. So, i my credit has been ruined as a result of somebody else. What is all the repercussions there?
0: Okay, um, uh, Glynis, just stay on the line momentarily so that I can get uh, Salem
1: to start uh, maybe in trying Thanks to so provide much. some answers here. Salem? Hi, Glynis. Hi. Hi. Um, We usually, if, if the consumer is not happy with any sort of resolution with the credit bureau or the credit ombud, we usually refer them to actually the national credit regulator because they regulate… Okay. Oh, okay. Hmm. Because they regulate, yes, they regulate the entire credit industry from the credit bureaus to the credit providers to Uh the actual consumers. So, your best option right now is to actually contact the NCR and, 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 yes, and get them to actually get involved in the situation, especially if you're saying this is recurring. Because one of the rules is that a consumer cannot be listed for the same thing twice. You cannot be listed for the same debt twice. And It I'm was taken off exterior but I mm-hmm. didn't even
6: know that it was on ITC. So I know experia mm. came back to me and they said to me, no, they've they climbed into them. But my question is, I'm now being uh, penalized with 48,000 Rand more on my cost payment
1: because to yes.
6: this company. Now, I have contacted them. They've come back and said, oh, well, we've now contacted the Bureau and the fact like everything's okay. I said, no, no, it's not okay.
1: Because you're still paying you know, more.
6: It's all very well. Uh, well, oops, we made a mistake. There's got to be restitutional or whatever damages when it comes to something like this. Mm. Yeah. If people's credit has been damaged and there's been financial implications, this is what I. That financial implications of mm. course, because there must be some. Mm. And it's all very well for the NCR to so, say, okay, that's all nice. You're clean, but go off now and pay your extra 48,000
1: rent. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. The NCR is your best bet because right. they and regulate. Thank you very
6: much. Anne. If I could back in are you there?
2: Yes, I'm here. It's Wendy Nola. Please would you email me. I'd like to get to that case starting with that, uh, with that educational institution.
6: Um, are you Wendy
2: at Experia. No, I'm with Times Media. I'm the consumer journalist.
6: Oh, another one. I'm already sent it to John Robbie and to Anna Cox and to, yeah. So I, I'm very happy to send it to you. Yeah, Glynis, um, Wendy's the best. I'm so pleased that you'll take this case on. I'm very okay. impressed. Now, should I just send it to you, Wendy, at carmedia.com? No. Uh,
2: no. Um, Consumer at nola.co.za. Consumer at nola, my surname, .co.za. K-N-O-W-A-R.
6: Okay, as soon as I'm back in Johannesburg, I'll be back in Johannesburg on We'll send it through to you because um, I've got it all on my personal computer and I'll catch all the correspondence that has. brilliant. Okay. Very
0: interesting case. I like it. Thank you so much, uh, Glennis. Okay, we're fast running out of time. Let's try and breeze through some of the questions that have come through. There are many. Um, firstly, let's look at what um, David was talking about. It's the same thing that Theo spoke about earlier, about having no debt and how that impacts on you.
1: What the credit providers are looking for, Sakina, is to understand what kind of a pair you are. So they usually shy away if they don't know whether they can trust you because the whole point of having a, a credit record, even if it's to start small with a cell phone contract, is just for them to understand what kind of a payer are you. Are you the type that skips payment or do, are you the type that would meet your monthly obligations? So that is why you find that if you don't have any credit and you go and apply for something like a house or, or a car, you find that you declined because they, they don't know how to assess you as a risk.
0: Well, that's the answer, short and sharp there. Anonymous wanted to know about um, her having shared an ID number with someone. She's looked after her credit profile, her credit record, and now she's worried because she's got a new ID number,
1: which obviously doesn't reflect all of this. So what can she do? She would need to contact the credit bureau. What we do, Sakina, we link an ID number to a surname and a name. So with her new ID number, we would then have to merge that existing credit record, which has her surname and her name, to the new ID number. Okay, So it's it's not something that you would really need to worry about because we get feeds from Home Affairs as well to say this ID number because they verify the ID number with the surname and the initials or the name.
0: Alright, a few about um, the removal of names, Wendy. Zarzakele um, uh, says I've been uh, listed for auto page account over five years uh, so the story of staying on credit bureau for a year, I don't buy it to this day, I can't qualify to buy a house due to that account. Pumudzo on Twitter also says I had a judgement but paid up but it still reflects on my record, how long must I wait? I settled in June uh, got paid up letters and I informed all four credit bureaus but I'm still denied credit based on my history. Wendy? Um, yes, clearly not acceptable. There are processes, of outlined and
2: um, they must just, if, if they're not getting any joy from the credit bureau concerned, they must go to the um, credit ombud. And in my experience, I have a lot of dealings with that office, and there are pretty efficient um, in dealing with those complaints. I have to say I, the, the one issue that, that comes up a lot with unfair listings is prescribed debt. Mm. So you a debt that's basically been dormant for three years, no payment, no acknowledgement, no summons, is prescribed and may not be listed on someone's profile but very often is. And then I will advise the person how to go about um, lodging a complaint and i ask them to come back to me to tell me how, how they went. And in most cases... Um, it's not all cases. But when they do come back to me, it's to say thank you so much. It's been handled. That that um, listing has now been removed. So
0: um, you're you going to have to tell us about it quickly, Wendy, because it seems people are really struggling with that. I think it's Uh The issue of prescribed debt and it's the fact that debt. it sits there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, a huge issue. Um, it's it's things have changed they just it's very long and complicated but it's always been the case well since the ncaa feeling being that you can't um a prescribed debt cannot be listed but in many cases it is and the sad there's one message i'd like to give um it's only about five percent according to transunion of of consumers credit active consumers actually check their credit records and yes you can pay someone to do it as one of the callers said but each credit bureau is, is um, required by law to give a consumer one free credit check a year. So only 5% checking. What needs to happen is you need to up that percentage. Everybody needs to check the credit because you don't need to pay. It's very easily done. You have your ID. You need to do it yourself. And that way you can identify if there are... Um, things there that shouldn't be there and many of mm. them are prescribed debt and, okay. they, and it's, it's not a big process to get it removed in e- my experience
1: here's a quick one what about lawyers who promise to clear your name
2: oh let's sell and deal with that one
1: <laughs> i always say to consumers especially with the amendments there's nothing that somebody else can do for you that you cannot do for yourself okay okay there's uh, I, I want to run through uh, okay. just a few quick ones uh
0: also um what happens if the company that blacklisted you
1: doesn't exist you can't trace them what do you do you come to the credit bureau we you, if we can if we cannot verify a listing we remove it well I tell
0: you what we we are not going to get through all everything that we've been asked here this morning. So it definitely warrants a follow-up at some point. Maybe we bring NCR on board, uh, you know, to get uh, their point of view and the credit ombud as well. Uh, I think that would make for an interesting follow-up to answer more of your questions more comprehensively. Stephen Durbin says, I'm a debt consultant and it's really worrying that people don't talk about debt. There are solutions like debt review. Too many people live on credit and won't do debt review as they cannot get more credit. So that's a story for another day. Thank you so much uh, to our guest this morning um, Wendy Nola, who is a consumer writer um, with uh, Times Media and also Salem Jafta, spokesperson for the Credit Bureau TransUnion. And uh, We'll follow up, definitely make a date uh, to answer. I'm going to keep these so we'll come back and answer them at some stage uh, but right now it's 9 o'clock and time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.